Are you ready to apply God's Word into your everyday life? Welcome to Ancient Mysteries Kingdom Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Rabbi Kurt Landry. Together we will unlock the ancient principles of the Bible that empower your faith and equip you to move into greater levels of kingdom authority. Tonight I want to talk to you about aligning your prayer, your walk, and your giving. We're all familiar with the scripture where the Lord says that His ways are not our ways, but His ways are higher. So that means there's different levels of understanding and different ways of walking an instruction. Amen? I'm going to tell you just a cute little story and you kind of get, get, uh, get a hold of it. It's cute, but it's very serious. We all know as Bible believers that the power of life and death is in the tongue. We know that. And the tongue is very important. Amen? I mean, all of us, regardless of whatever denominational background, you understand that in your mouth you have the power to bless or curse. But this last week when we were babysitting Arabella, it was so sad because she bit her tongue. And that hurts. And so as Nana was comforting her, Because she bit her tongue, she said, well, you know, you have to be real careful because your tongue, you know, that's how you speak and and that's how you eat. And that was not impressive to Arabella. She said, the reason your tongue is important is because how how if I don't have a tongue, how can I not lick my sucker after I (laughs) go to Dr. Sammy's? I want to be able to lick the sucker. So all of it is the same information about the tongue, but it's all processed differently. Okay? So I'm going to speak from our view as House of David. 19 years old. Have celebrated the feast for 19 years. Have had revelation of Malachi chapter 3 that there's three pilgrim feasts that you are called to. And in Deuteronomy, there's three pilgrim feasts, and they're, they're not conditional. Uh, they are mandatory feasts of Passover, Shavuot, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And in our culture, for us, we would never think about not being in the house for one of those feasts. And many of us have had some Terrible situations with families where, and all of us have stories where, well, this is the family reunion, and yep, but it's the feast of the Lord and we're not coming. Uh, Very misunderstood, and I would love to say the blessing manifests right away, but the key is our understanding of the feast is that it's a moed where God calls us to the table. It's not rabbi or house of David. The scripture says that God chooses a place for you to come 
And the scripture says, if you're in covenant with him, you're going to show up. And what it translates for us, whether, well, that's old, well, we're not there, okay? To us, it's all the word of God. So if God is calling and he says it's everlasting, then everlasting means everlasting. And Jesus came to fulfill those feasts. So these are not the feast of the Jews. These are the feast of the Lord. And I can tell you, in the courts of heaven, as God is my witness, every major move of God I've ever seen in 29 years has happened on a feast. Because God moves according to his calendar. Why? Because he is the Lord. So if you're going to align your prayers, your walk, and your giving, then you need to align it with his calendar and his heart and submit to that. So tonight, let's do that. Amen? Lord, we come into your room of atonement right now. Just put your hands out, and Lord, we just ask that we be washed in the blood. And I put everyone under the sound of my voice under the covering of this house. And Lord, I decree and declare that the shield of discernment would be released in your life to be able to hear these words from the Lord like never before in Yeshua's mighty name. So we're just going to let the word do the work tonight. Psalm 92 and 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. So in order to operate in the fullness in the courts, what this scripture is saying is that you need to be grounded and planted in a congregation. This is why we live stream. Live streaming is very expensive and is difficult. But so many people don't have a house to be planted in, and this is their house. And this is why we're here. But in order to go into the courts, you need to be planted in a house, which means that you are under the authority apostolically in order to be sent into the courts. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem this last trip, set your clock and God will set your provision. I was going to preach tonight on a study of lack, and I'm not going to do it, but I did a pretty in-depth study, and I can tell you from everything from fibromyalgia to high blood pressure to uh, uh, so many diseases they come from the stress of lack. Lack of sleep, lack of good food, lack of water, lack of finances. And they pretty much go back to finances because the reason most people don't eat healthy is because it's expensive to eat healthy. It is much easier to eat unhealthy 
but it's not really because when you eat unhealthy, it eventually catches up with you, and it only takes one sickness to kind of catch up with that grocery bill. It's a vicious circle. So I, I know that I want provision. I want provision. I want to be healthy. I want to have enough time to accomplish what I'm called to do, but also enough time to restore my rest. I'm adjusting in the last couple of years because I can't make it on six hours of sleep like I used to. I've got to have eight and sometimes more, and sometimes I have to take naps. And I'm in relatively good shape. I just need more rest. So that means I need to learn how to get more done with less. It's a fact. Because if I push it, then we'll make more mistakes. And the mistakes eat up all the time, just like not eating correctly eats up all the health and the doctor bill. Does that make sense? So what I'm wanting to do is I want my prayer, my walk, and my giving to be lined up to maximize my body, my soul, and my spirit to operate in alignment with God as it was created. Those who walk with God always reach their destiny, Henry Ford. God's mighty power comes when God's people learn to walk with him. The key is you have to learn to walk with him. And since you are constantly evolving, you have to learn to walk with him in different seasons. I'm letting this sink in. Because what happens is you need to start walking in the grace that you have in your physical body and in your finances now. Where you are now, if you're going to get your God's clock in your life now, you have to be real about where you are now. Micah 6.8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly before God. Okay, so I'm going to break this down. We are in biblical year 5779, five grace, double sevens of double portions of perfection, okay? Seven is also symbolic of the sword, Siphon, it's seven. Nine has to do with completion judgment and justice the biggest shift you have to make in your heart and in your mouth when you get older and you're more mature as a christian as a prophet and as a watchman is to not become critical because you're seeing better with your gift some of you love to quote the power of life and death is in the tongue, but some of you need to go back to licking your sucker. Some of you have stepped over with your mouth into critical spirits. 
And some of you in the process of doing that, when you become critical because you're, you've asked the Lord to give you the gifts, you've asked the Lord to take you into the courts, and now you're seeing all this stuff, and what happens is a lot of the people you're interacting with are people who are saved, but they're licking their sucker. And you don't want to get caught up into the strife because when you get caught up into the strife, justice leaves, judgment comes upon you, and you cease to love mercy because you want judgment on everybody that's harming you. So instead of interceding, and then the key is, it says to walk humbly. So what this pattern is, is when you're not just and you don't love mercy, the Lord resists the proud and there's no grace unless you're humbled. And then you set yourself up for a humiliating situation. Shavuot is all about getting atoned for so that you can avoid humiliating situations by the power of the immersion. Colossians 1, 10 and 11. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being faithful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and with long-suffering with joy. The higher you go in the power of God, the more wisdom, the more knowledge, and the more understanding, the more the gifts of seeing and words of knowledge and healing and prophecy, the more all those gifts kick in, you will become miserable. But some reason you have this crazy desire to say, more Lord, more Lord. Because the call in you knows that you cannot accomplish the call. And since you don't lay your treasures up on earth, but in heaven, you ask more. But part of seeing spiritually and hearing spiritually is you have to become long-suffering because what you're seeing is not good. So you really learn how, you need to learn how to process what you're seeing. And in the process of processing what you're seeing, you have to be able to keep a childlike heart and remember to lick the sucker. Deuteronomy 8 and 6. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear the Lord. That's a personal interaction between you, the Word of God, and your walk. You need not to be hearers only, but doers. You need to hear the Word, do the Word, live the Word, speak the Word, and give the Word in season to him who is weary. But you have to do it under the fear of the Lord. Have you ever thought that you would give people advice or counsel, and it's wrong, and they take action on it? And all this bad stuff happens to them. And then what's going to happen to you? Now, doing what I do for a living, that is ever before me. Because with this call, 
in this season, people actually listen to what I say and take action. And I speak a lot to leaders, so it's not just that one person, but it will be all the people that follow them. I need to make sure that what I'm saying is not only the truth, the truth is good, but what's more important is what I'm saying is in the right spirit at the right time with God. The timing and the spirit is more important than the content. Obviously, I would hope we get to a place where the content tact is always truth content, but truth is not, just because you have truth doesn't mean that you deliver it because your key is to deliver it like this message. I'm delivering this message to you so that you can receive it now for what's going to happen to you Friday and Saturday. See, the problem with strife is we say things and it changes people's opinion of whatever we're speaking about just like that. One of the greatest examples, I was watching a movie, I don't know what it was, but, and this guy said, gossip and strife is like taking a pillow with down feathers, stabbing it with a knife, ripping it open, and then all the feathers fly off the top of the roof, and how do you go back and pick up all the feathers? So how do you deal with that? I personally, how I deal with it, is anytime I hear something said about any situation, I will listen to the accused, and then I'll listen to the accuser, and I will filter through the two that somewhere in the middle of that, hopefully, is the truth. But I never choose to make a decision based off one side of the situation. If I don't get a chance to speak to both sides, then I drop it and don't speak about it at all. And even if I hear both sides, unless the Lord leads me to speak about it, I'll just drop it altogether. Why? Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. And I watch what I say because I want to be able to enjoy my life, which is the joy of my life, which is to lick my sucker. You've got to have those sweet times. And if you're going to have sweet times praying in the Spirit and talking to the Lord and praying, God, praying to the Lord, you have to be able to do that with the taste of the sucker in your mouth and not judgment and bitterness and oppression. Ephesians 2.20 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for every good work, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Why at Shavuot, why did the Lord give me the scripture that it's time to hear from God? You need to hear from God whether you hear from him yourself by the Holy Spirit in the water, out of the water, from a prophet in the water. It doesn't make any difference. But it's time that you walk boldly into the throne room and into the courts. This isn't a time to be walking around without having a word from God. We are in a time when we need to clearly hear a word from the Lord. 
So we need to align our prayers, our walk, and our giving with the Lord. Do you know that sometimes that our prayers and our walk can be in a way of hearing from the Lord? Because we're praying what we want, not what He wants. Then we walk after what we want. And then we give based off what we want. Well, since we are mostly greedy and selfish, you can look at your neighbor and say, not me. But since human nature is greedy and selfish, when you pray in the flesh, you walk in the flesh, then your giving is in the flesh. So what happens is every place where you can be rescued is contaminated with flesh, and flesh begat flesh. So you need to clean up the way you pray and communicate with God, clean up your obedience to walk with God and clean up your giving to give what God's telling you to give. The reason large giving scares you is because you're not praying and walking expecting for large return. You want it, but you're not willing to pay the risk or the faith for it. And I can honestly testify to you, for Christy and I, if it wasn't for sacrificial giving of large amounts of money, we wouldn't be in ministry. Because sometimes the Lord just wants to make sure that you're not codependent on that bank account. That you're codependent on Him as Jehovah Jireh. In Luke chapter 6 and 38, give and it will be given to you. Can I be very sober with you and very mature? Everything you have right now is because you sowed it. So why are you envy or jealous of somebody else? What I find is most people want what successful people have, but they're not willing to sow the time, sow the risk, or the self-discipline to be responsible for that level of success. So you have to be very conscientious that if God is going to promote you, it's going to take a change of behavior of time, task, and activity and personal skills. Because you saw the little chip that I had. Everything is changing. And we have to change with the times. So give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And that's in everything that you sow. 
If you sow forgiveness, then you receive forgiveness. If you sow love, you receive love. If you sow criticalness, you will be criticized. If you sow strife, you will have strife. If you sow anger, you will have anger. If you sow peace, you will have peace. If you sow a lot of money, you will have a lot of money. If you sow little, you will have little. It just depends on kind of like what lifestyle do you want to have? I think that at this Shavuot and in the few days of the counting down of the Omer, I think you need to be very honest and you need to invest some time, no matter how old you are or how young you are. And you need to invest some time and you need to ask yourself a few questions. Who are you? What do you want to be? Really, what do you want to be? And the third question is, are you willing to experience the pain of failure, rejection, by trying it and failing? Are you willing to fail? Have you put up so many walls that the walls to protect you from being hurt and rejected are keeping out the real you from being revealed to you? See, because until you really know who you are and what you're called to do, then you're enslaved to the fake you. That was the whole reason I wrote the book, Reclaiming Our Forgotten Heritage. Have you ever wondered how the first believers in Messiah understood their faith? You'll be surprised to find out how the church today has drifted from the ancient Hebraic roots where it was first established. Once we connect to our roots, we can start to walk in the power and authority that God envisioned for His bride. Discover what was lost and how to reclaim it in Rabbi Kurt Landry's book, Reclaiming Our Forgotten Heritage. You can find it at clmmin.com forward slash root. That's clmmin.com forward slash r-o-o-t. Look at your faith through the same lens as Messiah and be transformed. Deuteronomy 16 and 16, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in a place which he has chosen at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. You need to start praying now to what level of commitment are you willing to sow the seed to the Lord what do you believe that you actually have a winning hand in your life? My uncle Lou used to say it this way, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, don't expect anybody else to invest in you. 
When you sow a seed at a feast, you're investing in you. And if you sow little, it's because you have little faith that you're going to actually walk it out. It's not faith in God doesn't work that way. No, you know in your inner knower that it's you. You don't trust you. The reason you don't trust you is because you don't know you. If you know you, then you're willing to extend grace and mercy to you when you don't do your best. But your identity and your relationship with your Heavenly Father is not contingent upon doing your best. It's about saying, yes, Lord, and when you fall down, that you get up. So how you show up for this particular feast Simply, this feast is really, for me, this is Ruth's feast. This is the book of Ruth. We're all Moabitess. We really don't deserve an inheritance in heaven. But for some reason, we're going to follow this Naomi. We're going to follow Jesus. But it's really scary. And our sister chose to stay in Moab and others. But for some reason, we just said to Jesus, your people shall be my people, and where you go, I'll go, and that's it. And you're, just, you're going, but you really don't know how this is going to go. And most of you have been in the field gleaning from the sides, but you don't own any land and you haven't seen a harvest. But this is a time where the Lord releases the inheritance. This is the season where the Lord comes and put his covering over you in the spirit. And he becomes the Kingsman Redeemer. And if you remember, after Boaz filled the, her shawl, her tallit, he filled it with grain. And what did she do? She took it to Naomi. As much as she could carry. And she took it as a gift to her mother-in-law saying, thank you, because now I'm married again to Boaz, who is one of the wealthiest people in the entire region. I got a second chance. And then finds out she's in the lineage of Messiah Yeshua. What if she didn't take that gift from Boaz? And what if she took it down to the market and sold it for silver? What if she didn't sow that seed and she sowed it all back to Naomi? What if she didn't bring it back? There's all sorts of things she could have done with it. But she purposed to honor the bridge in which brought her to Boaz. And that's why the scripture says, and the Lord your God in a place which he has chosen. For most of you, this is your chosen bridge to the Jewish roots of your faith. 
This is your Naomi. You need to bring a gift that reflects your heart, but also has the risk and the gift of faith to believe that the Lord will not forget you. If you're afraid to give, then you're afraid to receive. How do you get over sowing from little to much? Testimony. You start out with a little and you increase. Your giving, your obedience, and your prayer need to reflect what you, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions need to reflect. I'm praying this and I believe this. I'm walking this and I believe this. I'm giving this and I believe. And that three-stranded cord needs to be an extension of your heart to God to say, this is where I'm at. Like going to the doctor and having your vitals checked. I'm praying, believing, walking, believing, and giving, believing. This is where I am. And you need to give that to the Lord because that's all he can work with. He has to meet you where you are. You're not meeting him where he's at, believe me. We'd all fry. So this is a time to get aligned on Friday night before we go into the water. See, if you can get all this alignment done by the time you actually get to Saturday, you'll be ready to immerse and you'll be totally focused and you'll be deep into the worship. And you'll be ready to receive from the Lord. Knowing that the enemy is going to do everything he can to try to distract you. But you're, between now and then, don't get involved in a bunch of weird stuff. Like, don't start a remodel at your house before Shavuot. Deuteronomy sixteen seventeen, And I hope this takes the pressure off you. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessings of the Lord, your God, which he has given you. Which he has given you, which means in the Hebrew, what do you have now? Don't ever let it be said that Rabbi Kurt's asking you to give. Like, this isn't a telethon. I'm not some prosperity shyster on television if you give to me you're going to get a million dollars and be driving a mercedes next week that's not you have to give to what you have so this is real easy if you had a great year then you need to be giving a high percentage if you didn't then you need to give what you can give so it shouldn't really flip you out is this helping anyone yeah, don't get caught up in that manipulation if you give to me and no, you're not giving to me anyway. This is good soil and praise God for that. But you're giving out of obedience to God because this is the Lord's feast, not the rabbi's feast. And you have to give accordingly, but you're not to put it on a credit card and do it. You're not to go in debt and give something you don't have expecting the Lord to get you out. That's not how this works. God says, give as you have been blessed. 
2 Corinthians 9.8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. I'm going to share one testimony of this, and I'm not, if I, I'm going to have my wife, she can correct me if I'm telling it, but we were in a transition period before we were saved. She was saved, I was not. And the things that I was doing at business failed, and we had worked our way through our uh, savings and the house we were renting. They were going to tear it down and put in condos. So we were losing the house we were renting, and we needed a house. And I think we were down to about, what, $200? We're down to $200. So that's why people say, well, you're rich. You don't know like what we're going through. We weren't always here. Down to $200 after you had a business that was very successful, but this is, was before I got saved, and this is part of how the Lord got me to get saved. So she calls me up, and the business thing's not going well, and a guy that I did do business with decided not to pay me, so it was even getting worse. Don't you love getting robbed when you don't have any money? That's always the... Luckily, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't have to walk in forgiveness. I had some great murder schemes of what I was going to do to this guy. So, I didn't. So, Christy calls me up and says, well, I'm in the ladies' meeting over here at the women of glowing, flowing fluffies. And we're all fluffing over here in this meeting and well, I'm, I'm making it more entertaining than well, how you would tell it. You would tell the real story. You were in a legitimate ministry with legitimate prophets. And the Lord spoke to you and said, give the whole 200. And I was so frustrated. I said, yeah, go ahead. What difference does it make? We're homeless. We have no food. You know, Megan's little. So, yeah, who cares? do it. I had no faith. Of course, I'm not saved. What difference does it make? I just said, go ahead. Here we go. And then the phone rings after we do it. And our accountant from Oklahoma, because we had moved to Washington, said, man, I've got some bad news and good news. Talking to Christy. Well, here's the bad news is I really messed up on your tax return when you were here. Oh, really? The good news is the IRS owes you all this money, which was way more than a hundredfold return on the 200, which was enough to put a down payment on a new house to start over again. And then I got another job and then I got saved. So praise God. And we were getting ready to go into in vitro fertilization and all this stuff because we were having struggling to be able to have a baby. And the Baptist that Christy worked for said, well, you guys are in trouble because you don't tithe. And I'm going, what's tithing? 
course, Christy's new saved, and so we didn't have a church. So she says, how about if we experiment, I'll give 10% of what I make to Meals on Wheels. I said, that's good. Try it. And immediately her income went up, and I said, man, if 10's good, here, I'll give you 20 of mine. I'm doing the math. So early in the walk with the Lord, we found out that giving had an effect on our destiny. And I was really kind of flipped out when I first came to the church that so few people tithe and people were afraid to give. And like, we are givers. And uh, I never, I couldn't figure out like, didn't they have the... Meals on wheel experience, didn't they give away the last 200 bucks and we got a really nice house in Klahani up in Issaquah? And I mean, these are great testimonies. And I carry these testimonies in my heart to this day. No different than sitting in Netanyahu's office and, and, the, and he couldn't come into the meeting and we're there and we're on a tour with all you guys and his director at that time has got her baby there and she's breastfeeding at the desk and talking to us and apologizing because the prime minister had an emergency because a rocket went this way or something or another. And so she's sitting there, and, and we're all sitting there going, well, why are you guys here? And we got a tour, and the, the tour is like, you know, down at this place. And, oh, I know why you're here. You're the ones. You're the ones what? You're the ones that he's looking for a Christian organization to work with one of the largest Jewish organizations. It's Yeladim. What's that mean? It means the children. They're orphans, and you're an orphan, and your story, you're, you're the ones. He trusts you. You're the ones that are supposed to do this. Okay, well, what does it start to get? What, is it, what, what do you need to get us started? Well, well, we need this. This is a six-figure number. Will you do it? See, this is like a very professional meeting. This, this is Israel. I looked over at Christy, and she squeezed my hand, and we said, yes. Then we had to go back to our, our meeting, and we had to go meet everybody over at, I think you were on that trip, we had to go meet over at the garden tomb, and you guys were getting ready to have communion. And of course, Christy and I just made the six-figure commitment, and we absolutely don't have it to the prime minister of Israel. And it's like, why did we say that? What were we thinking? We're already struggling meeting all the needs of everything else we do. Why would we say that? Get on the bus. And one of the men that's on the bus is crying, hands me a, a note and says, the Lord told him to give me this amount. And it's the exact amount we committed to in the office. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap. If you would stand, we're going to close tonight. I hope this has helped you. Hebrews 13, 15, and 16, and we're closing. We're going to make this our prayer. If you would, please. Father God, we come into your court of mercy.
We decree in the courts. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, if you just put your hand on your lips, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Put your hand over your heart if you would. Lord, but I will not forget to do good, to share, for with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. I align my prayer, my walk, my giving of time, task, and activity. Love, patience, and kindness, compassion, compassion, and hope hope. in abundance abundance. to all those who interact with my life. I am a giver, giver. not a taker, taker. and thank you, Lord, Lord. for trusting me me. with your Holy Spirit Spirit. and your power. We are honored. We We seal it. it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive tonight's tithes and offerings. If you need an envelope, the uh, ushers will bring you an envelope. You can also text to sow here in the house and online to sow, S-O-W, 51555. You can give securely right now. I would encourage you when a word like this comes to sow, even if it's only five, 10, or $20, go ahead and text to sow. Put your seed in agreement. So your seed is speaking in heaven, blessing just as your prayers, your hopes, and your desires are speaking blessing. Thank you for listening to Ancient Mysteries Kingdom Principle Podcast. Like what you heard? Then visit us at kurtlandry.com for free resources that will empower your faith to walk in greater levels of kingdom authority. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Kurt Landry Ministries. See you next week.